Well, hey, good morning, everybody. My name is Andrew, and I'm one of the staff members here at CBC, and we're so glad that you're joining us from wherever it is you're watching today. Uh, Today, things look a little bit different, and they should. We are going to take a minute and intentionally pause from our Letters in Red series before we jump into another series that we're excited about called Keep Going. I have invited several of my friends to join us up on stage today to ask and answer some of the questions that you've submitted this week. We were excited at the number of questions that came in and the nature of the questions that we got from so many of you. So thank you to each and every one of you that have made today possible. I want to let you know from the onset, something that a seminary professor I had said to me one time that was so crucial in my development as a devoted follower of Jesus. He said, when talking about things of faith, there are a lot of things that we should discuss. There are many things that we should debate, but there are very few things that we should ever let divide us as Christians, as followers of Jesus and within the church. And I think that is so crucial to the nature of our conversation tonight, because many of the questions that you ask are amazing questions, and we might have different opinions on them. And those, those are okay. In fact, that's really healthy dialogue and, and understanding. And so I'm excited to get to, to have that conversation. The second thing that I want to share with you is how we came to the conclusion or the answers that we came to. We believe, each one of us collectively, that the Bible answers questions in three ways. The first is thus saith the Lord. These are black and whites. And we see that in Exodus 20 with the Ten Commandments or in the the laws, the over 600 laws or throughout the prophecies where God is direct about what he expects from us. The second is what is implied. We see throughout scripture over and over again where God implies something to the point where all the guesswork is taken out and that's how we arrive at the answer we've got. The third is a little more complicated or it can be and that's where it may not be thus saith the Lord and it may not be implied but it's left for interpretation. And I want you to be uh, aware up front that there are times where there might be things that we discuss that it's really up for interpretation and we're okay with that. We as a team love one another And more than that, we love Jesus. And everything that we're going to talk about is based on sola scriptura, which means the word of God alone. We're going to do our very best. And I want to keep with the humility where where Paul says, in humility, consider one another better than yourselves. And that's my hope today as we discuss these things that we'll we'll let that drive our conversation. Let me take a minute to introduce my friends to you. To my left is Dylan Smith, recent graduate from Nebraska Christian College, employee of Kerry Newhoff, who is a pastor and leader and recently married to Maggie two weeks ago. And to, yeah, uh, next to him is Mrs. Brown. To many of you from Blair High School, science teacher, she has been in ministry for uh, nearly two decades. Uh, Once upon a time, she was an itinerant evangelist, and she was somebody who wrote curriculum and authored different studies, and she has been involved with with traveling the country as a a guest speaker, as a forum speaker, and teaching, and she's amazing. I'm excited to have Jim with us. Next to Jim is Amy Barnhill. Amy has forever been involved with Bible Study Fellowship, and she is a leader, a teacher there, and is one of the the most respected Bible teachers for BSF in our community. And we're so grateful to have Amy a part of it. She also holds the distinction of being the first female to ever preach here at CBC. And I've been so excited to have Amy a part of our teaching team over the last several years. And then next to Amy is Kevin Barnhill, who is the chairman of our elder board, grew up in the church, left the church, came back to faith, uh, has family that are pastors, is is very learned in the word of God, and, uh, and just love his leadership in our church. And so collectively together, I want to thank you guys so much for agreeing to come and be a part of this panel discussion. Anything you want to say before we jump in? No? Fantastic. Well, let's get right to it because we've got a lot of questions that people wrote in. So there are going to be some that are going to be more short answer and others that we're going to have time to expound on. First question, 
Does CBC support missionaries? The answer to that is absolutely emphatically yes. We have all kinds of mission support. When I got here, we had as many as a dozen missionaries that we were supporting. Currently, we have four that we support, one in Germany, one in Dominican Republic, one here stateside, and one who just retired. And then every year for the last decade plus, we have sent not only our students, but men and women on international mission trips as well as national mission trips. We've raised a lot of money and a lot of awareness sending people out to do missions all over the world. We absolutely practice Acts 1-8, that you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so we love that we get to support our missionaries here and that we get to be involved in missions. If you're interested in learning more about the missionaries we support, the missions that we have, or what we're involved with, I encourage you to email us, info at countrybible.org, and just let us know, and we will add you to a mailing list where we send out a newsletter when we get information from our missionaries about what's going on. So great question, and we absolutely support. Go ahead, Jim. Another super cool thing is not just missionaries outside of the state and outside of the country, but, you know, especially with Steve Doolin coming on, look what's going on at Butch's. One thing I really appreciate is how dedicated the church is, CBC is, to missionaries locally also. And really going out into Omaha, Washington County, Blair, and being the church. That's good. I appreciate you sharing that. That's a great reminder. Uh, What's our second question? How many pastors or elders serve on CBC? Who wants this one? I could take that. So uh, today we have eight pastors on staff. There's another uh, seven support staff members. It gives us a total 15 on staff, an amazing team. And then we have another uh, seven lay elders, uh, myself and then uh, a bunch of other guys. But more importantly, I think, you know, staff's great and they do a lot of good work, but none of us, staff, elders, anybody in the leadership could do anything we do without the 300 plus volunteers. I mean, that's just the hands and feet of Jesus right there. Yeah, for sure. If anybody was interested in learning more about, specifically about who our pastors are, who our staff are, who our elders are, how could they do that? Sure. Uh, Yeah, uh, there is uh, on the website, cbc.org. Uh, countrybible.org yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, is uh, you go to the about tab and then the clicks down to leaders and it'll take you to a, a page and you get to see really nifty photographs that they forced us into. <laughs> but you're a really pretty man. <laughs> I do not like photographs. <laughs> hey, I, I think this is a great opportunity for us to take a minute to, to acknowledge and celebrate that one of our pastors is actually retiring at the end of June. Pastor Richard Palmer, who's been uh, a mainstay and a staple of our ministry here, he has provided tremendous wisdom, leadership, insight, and teaching over many years, has uh, decided to retire. And so our loss is his gain. But in retirement, he's going to stay on as pastor emeritus, which means he'll still be a part of our elder board and he'll still be teaching classes and doing some discipleship stuff. So we are super proud of Richard. Love that we get to continue to do life and ministry with him and are excited for this next season of life and ministry for him and Leslie and their family as well. So that's a really important piece. If you see Richard, when we come back together after this, uh, this season away, make sure you give him a high five and a handshake and tell him how much you appreciate him as well. What's our, what's our next question? How should Christians mesh their political views with their faith? How do we stop hateful rhetoric? I'm sure with this panel, no one has an opinion on this. What's funny is we actually have this discussion outside of this panel, some of us. Um, so we'll try to tone it down a little bit for sure, the panel. Yeah, yeah, that's good. Um, but uh, I want to start with the hateful rhetoric. And I kind of took that with the question in social media. And the thing um, I just want to remind everybody is people are watching you as a representative of Christ. That's good. When you are posting something. And if you are um, 
it's okay to have a political party and, and you choose your political party or really, and more than that, your vote, which we should be voting as absolutely. Christians, yeah, absolutely. Right. That is a responsibility we have. But we should be choosing that based on what the Bible says. This this should be our voting absolutely. guide. Um, and so the first thing is that. But whichever way you fall, and this does not say you have to be a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent. Um, so whichever way, however you are, if you fall, remember that if you're out there saying negative things about an entire party, you just misrepresented Christ to an entire segment of the population. Um, and you're, you're spewing hate. And yeah. Yeah. the Bible continually tells us to live at peace with one another. This is not a divisive issue. This isn't one of those issues. Um, like I say, we can argue about it and have fun arguing about it. It's it's not a it's not a salvation issue, and mm-hmm. and we just have to be loving and kind. And the way I think of it is, be a decent human being. Yeah, yeah, you know, Jen, and you're right. Just be a decent human being. Uh, 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 for for good reference, we can look at Ephesians four, right, four twenty nine, where it says, you know, everything you say should be, you know, no foul language, no. Uh, harsh language, everything needs to be uplifting to the people that you're trying to communicate to. And hateful political rhetoric, I'm pretty sure doesn't fall into that category. The other thing is my dad used to tell me, there's never a reason to be rude to anyone. You don't have to have them for Sunday supper, but don't be rude, right? If we just, I I love the way that when when we were organizing some of the questions, uh, Jennifer, she parenthetically called this one, be a decent human being. And I thought that was just the best. Yeah, no, that's really good. I appreciate that. The next question actually falls right in line with this one. And that question is, what is the role of the church in obeying the government? I think if I were to interpret this, they're probably asking whoever submitted this question is asking about how long we're going to uh, remain socially distanced as a church and coming under submission of the government and what's our right to freedom of religion and that sort of thing. Uh, Does anybody have any thoughts on, on this question? I mean, uh, I would say that uh, although we are being forced to stay home, I don't think this is an attack on the church. Like, this is not an act of hate directed at the church. This is not persecution. Right. Like, this is us being wise and protecting our neighbors, protecting our elderly relatives, protecting our family members who are, like, at risk. Sure. Uh, so we have to be careful um, not to put out this, like, whole, we're all being persecuted for this. This is just... We're being wise for a time. Yeah, we're being good stewards of the church, and exactly. we're being great neighbors, loving them in ourselves, right? Absolutely, yes, yeah. And that's, that's our chief calling, is to care for and love people. And if we're being awful about all of this, it's not representing Jesus very well. Sure. So. But is it wrong for us to honor the government in this? I mean, isn't there a separation of church well, and state? Well, you got, there's a couple of things going on here. One, you have to remember that our, our God is a God of order and peace. Yeah. Right. First off, that's one of the characteristics that we see throughout scriptures. The other thing that we see clearly in scripture is that we are told God puts all authority in place and God raises kings and lowers kings. And I, I know there's uh, uh, Romans 13 uh, verses 1 through 8, I think it is. And then there's 1 Peter 2, 13 through 17, where they clearly state that God is sovereign and God has put authorities over us as a church. And it's our Christian yeah. duty then to be obedient yeah. to the laws of the country. However, they also draw a line in Scripture, and Paul was a great example of this, as were the disciples who were jailed for preaching the gospel. We cannot allow the government to go against the law of God. Right. The, the law and the Word of God is supreme over everything. But as long as what they're asking us to do or requiring us to do, whether it be uh, stay at home for a minute 
whether it be pay our taxes right. or, or, you know, right. you know, it's like you're not going to speed. Well, I got to get to church, so I'm going to speed. Well, yeah, you, yeah. but other than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I think, but, it, I think it's ahead. also important to remember that the unbelieving world is watching. Absolutely. And, so and when, we are, when we exhibit behavior that appears reckless mm-hmm. to non-believers, they're going to remember that for a long right. time. Right. And, and being reckless and, and putting other people, like, like Dylan said, you know, to be safe. And, and by, if we were to all meet together and then someone were to get sick, that's reckless. Yeah, right, and, right. and that's not loving. And it's not being safe. And so in this instance, I think that we are absolutely called to fall in line and to obey the government that God has put in place, like Kevin said, and and just to be patient. I see both of you have your Bibles open. Do either one of you have Romans 13? I I do. Um, Romans 13, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. and he tells us, consequently, consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Mm. Um, and, and like Kevin said, you know, God's put these rulers. And I think the other thing we need to remember, our government should be on our prayer list. Amen. And our yeah. government should be yeah, high on our absolutely. prayer list. And we need to be continually praying for them to have God's wisdom and yeah. judgment in their decisions. Absolutely. That's so good. I appreciate you guys. That's great insight. How about uh, the next question? What do we have here? Ooh. What is the communion schedule? Hey, great question. We get these kind of questions a lot because we have so many new people coming to the church. And so as far as the schedule, we don't have one. We, we try to do communion as a collective body at least once a month. But we kind of uh, stick to the understanding or the idea that we don't want anything to become just a religious practice or something that's just rote, that we want to come together when we do communion to do it intentionally and, and to do it in a way that honors God and gives consideration to what we're being called to do. But more than that, I want to... I guess I really want to stress that 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul describes what he says, I, I pass on to you that which what I received straight from the Lord. On the night that, that, that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And then a little time later, he, he did the same with the wine where he passed it around. It was a common cup. And he said, as often as you eat this and drink this, do this in remembrance of me. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. If we developed a communion schedule around that instance, we would do it once a year at Passover. If we take Jesus' literal words, which I think we're actually supposed to, and I actually believe that's what Paul was inferring there, is that every time we come together and you're, you're identifying that the blessing is there because of Jesus and you're, 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 you're celebrating collectively his work in your life, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of Heavenly Lights, that that is actually an act of community and communion together. So as a church, we don't want it to become just a religious ritual, which is why we, and we're not saying that any church that does it every week is, is practicing that it's just a religious ritual either. But for us, we want to be super intentional about how we do it and are really thoughtful about when we do it. And so there are times where we'll do it once a month. Other times we'll do it more than once a month. Other times where we might go six weeks. Uh, it's really based on, on what, where we feel like the Lord is leading us. But we, we really stress that communion is, is a lifestyle and not just a religious practice. I, I like that. It's a lifestyle. And, and to continue in that, in that Corinthians uh, section, uh, I, I think the, that section really supports about when we, anytime we come together. Because Paul goes on to describe when you come together, yeah. right? And he's describing supper. He didn't say and, if, and, when. And, yeah, yeah, it wasn't an if. And, and he's describing social uh, times 
when the believers come together, not just for a specific celebration. And, then, you know, I think about last week when uh, Edgar led us in communion. Oh, yeah, that's good. You know, and, and he said, hey, guys, you know, we're going to do communion. Well, I, I, for whatever reason, was unprepared. So we're scrambling around looking for something to use for bread because Amy's <laughs> yeah. got me on this carb thing going. Yeah, but come on. So we find some stale crackers and we found some... Uh, 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 Snapple, you know, and, yep. and it, but you know what? Make Snapple. Oh yeah, <laughs> come on, it's good oh, stuff. Man. I used to love but. bending those caps inside out, and then you could actually pop them off. The t- anyway, anyway. So, but the, <laughs> but here we are in our living room, uh, you know, breaking off stale crackers and Snapple. It didn't make it yeah. any less communion yeah, because we were still good. celebrating yeah. the 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 body and the blood of the Lord. That's yep. good. And I appreciate that. It's the heart. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. And yeah, we knew good. that we were really all together with our church, yep. too, because we knew everybody else in this body was at home doing the same thing that we were. And so yeah. it was really yeah. unifying. And I'm hearing you say motivation, not method. Mm. Yeah. yeah is good. that fair? Yep. Cool. Awesome. Absolutely. Good. Thanks, yeah. thanks, guys. What's the next question we have, guys? How do I know which part of the Trinity do you pray to? I remember this coming across my screen, and I absolutely fell in love with this question. Who wants it? Yeah, I'll, I'll start, but I'm going to need help because the Trinity is such a big, complex doctrine mm. in the scripture. And however, it's there from Genesis 1 all the That's way right. to right. Revelation 22. Um, to understand the Trinity is to understand that this is not three gods. It's not one God with three separate parts. It is um, one God with three persons involved mm. in that God. Um, God the Father is was active in creation. He ordained the plan for salvation. God the Son is Jesus Christ. He was um, the one who enacted salvation, who made salvation possible for us mm. by his sacrifice. He continues today to govern the church. Um, the Holy Spirit is the person of the Trinity who calls us into salvation yeah, yeah. and who continues that work of salvation in our sanctification. He's the part of of God who we have living in us, who we have fellowship with God through the Holy Spirit. So all of those persons of God can be, are accessible to us. That's right. Yeah. And we can pray to any of them. And there's examples throughout Scripture of right. people going to God and kneeling before God the Father. Jesus Christ kneels and he says, our Father who yeah, art yeah. in heaven. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we pray through our relationship with Jesus, but we also pray through the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Um, yep. So somebody else helped when the, me there. Well, this question came across. Didn't you? We, we had a conversation about it that you love this question because it's so deep, but it's also so practical, right? And we yeah. talked yeah. about throughout Scripture, Old Testament, uh, that, that, that the people actually could go to God initially, and then they were afraid of God's voice. So God appointed Moses as a mediator from Moses, prophets, and, and, and he, uh, judges, and he, you know, the, the priests. And then the New Testament, God's voice falls silent for 400 years. And who does he have pick up the mantle? That was Jesus. And he teaches us in Matthew 6. What does he say about how we pray? The disciples come and say, teach us how to pray like, the, like, like John taught his disciples, which is our Father in heaven. Holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. And then eventually Jesus leaves the person of the Holy Spirit. And he says he's going to mediate for you, even to the point where if you don't know what to pray, the Holy Spirit will intercede on your behalf. Yeah. And I love the progression, too, of the distance, because we're all so accustomed to hearing social distancing. In the Old Testament... The people were very far from God, and they had to have Moses in the middle. And yeah. then move, fast forward to the New Testament where we have Jesus, and, but we still have a little bit of distance there with that curtain. We can't boldly right. come before right. the throne until we receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. And then we have yeah. God 
with us. Yeah. So yeah. it's it's God right in there us. that close. Yeah. Yes. So God, God in us. us. God with us and then God in us. That's right. Yeah. So Jen, is there a is there a wrong person to pray to? Just pray. Yeah. yeah. Well, God. <laughs> yeah. God yeah. the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the one true Amen. God. But just pray. Yeah. That's that's, that's really good. And one thing to think about too is praying. Um, pray out loud. Pray in your heart. Sing mm-hmm. your praise. Write your prayers. Just pray. Yeah. Yeah. I had a friend once tell me that the best prayer he ever prayed was, oh, God, help. Mm-hmm. Because, again, it's not about the method. It's about the motivation. I, th- I think it's important to remember, too, that that is really just a conversation with God. It's how we communicate with God. Yeah. You know, um, God talks to us through his word. This is a love letter to each right. one of us. But we talk to God in our prayer. And yeah. whether it's in your heart, in your head, uh, written out, out loud, mm-hmm. In a group by yourself, it's At all work. just communication. Yeah. I'm sorry, say that again. Delay. At work. Yeah. At work. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and a wonderful thing that I've loved over my lifetime too is pray the scripture back to God Amen. and make it personal. And you know, like I think of like Psalm 139, and you know, and I even pray for my kids. God has knitted them together. Um, mm-hmm. There's nowhere they can flee from His yeah. presence. Use this word and pray it back to Him. Yeah. Yeah, Dylan, you were actually super important. Yeah. Amy said something that just sort of triggered a thought. On the way here, you were listening to an audio book about millennials and the difference yes. between boomers and Gen Xers and how they pray versus how, how millennials pray. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's a study done by Barna, and they actually they were studying Gen Z now because Gen Z are actually the people just getting into college or a little bit older okay. and all of younger. And so there's these 10% of kids who grow up claiming Christian. Um, 10% of these are these resilient disciples that like claim Jesus every day in yes. and out living for yeah. it. So that 10%, they actually characterize their prayer life as an everyday conversation. Mm. Meanwhile, the other 90% of young people who claim Christ, but go and live, you know, however they want, um, Monday through Saturday, uh, like they are more likely to think of it as this big, huge ritual that mm-hmm. they have to work through. Yeah. And so the authentic Christians of my age, um, they are definitely the ones that are seeing it every day in and out, uncomfortable, weird, sometimes hilarious prayers. Yeah, and yeah, that's, yeah. that's been my own experience too, but of just, that's, that, that's when that it's authentic. that's a great example? I, I love that the results of that study because Basically, that signifies the relationship. Sure. Yep. Yep. Right. If you if you're in a relationship, you're comfortable. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. And you talk and yep. you express yourself and 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 all your sarcasm and quirkiness and right. But if you're yeah. not in a real relationship, then it's very formal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I think that's really what you're describing. Well, Amy yeah. said something earlier to me that was really critical. She said that it's it's praying without ceasing, and that's mm-hmm. what a conversation is. Yeah. Stacy and I started a conversation 18 years ago, and we're still continuing that conversation today. It, it, it changes. The, the the topic changes, but that conversation has been ongoing. Yeah. Great, great insight, guys. I that's love good. I love that. Thank you so much for your thoughts. What's the What's the next question? What are the biggest challenges believers face in their daily walk, and how do they address that challenge? Oh, I got that one. Um, so in um, this will be different depending on where you live, uh, what the answer would be. So a believer in China has a different answer than a believer in the States. But a believer here in Nebraska. Based on circumstances? Say, yeah, okay. circumstances, you're, like how the church is run, kind okay. of it, what Christianity looks like there. Um, so 
here in Nebraska, I think the biggest concern for us, and this is for America, is mediocrity. Mm. It's the danger of just falling into the rhythm and never being on fire. Okay. And I, I, I think that's the biggest threat. Um, and those are like the biggest challenges that we face because we just slowly drift away. Okay. And we slowly drift into calm. Yeah, um, in Revelation 3.16, it says, But since you are like lukewarm water, neither hot nor cold, I'll spit you out of my mouth. We need to be on fire or we need to be out. And it, it's much better to just have your clear decision made and be chasing after it passionately. So I, I think that as believers, we got to stay on fire. Now, it's easier said than done, obviously. Um, and that, that comes from the everyday relationship, building it into your life. Um, your daily readings are actually conversations and not just these times that you're um, reading the Bible or clicking audio, play, sure. and then sure. walking away. Like, it's an actual time with Jesus. Um, That's good. Yeah. I think practically, Dylan, I think one of the biggest challenges that believers face is busyness. Absolutely. And I think that... Um, this whole time, you know, where you, you really can't be busy. You know, you can be busy at home. You can clean out your basement and your closets only so many times in four weeks. But at some point, you have time now to sit and to be still. And you don't have any activities in the evening. You don't have anything on your schedule for the weekend. You can't go to the mall. Um, You can't do so many things. But um, so with busyness off the table, I think this is a really good time to examine yeah. what is really important yeah. and what and, needs and to be a priority. Yeah. Kevin, yeah. I, I saw the, I read this question and, and, and uh, I, I thought practical. I loved your answer. I really did. And, and, I, and I think you're right. We've got, you were too mediocre and a lot. But what I read this is, uh, uh, <clears throat> personally, I struggle with attention span. I, I have the attention span of a gnat. Mm. And so I try to do my quiet times uh, in the morning. Uh, usually about 5.30-ish, right? And, and invariably, I get distracted. Some, I could be sitting in the chair by myself, and I get distracted. Yeah. You know, and, and so I think and in this, in this uh, electronic age with the social media and everything, and we've all got our phones with us 24 hours a day, right. it, we've just are surrounded with these distractions and find, finding that time to uh, focus and build that relationship with, with, yeah. with God is really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. My biggest challenge is me. Mm. I mean, it's me. It's my sin. It's, it's yeah. my desire to be me in my life, to be my own God of my day in my life. And, you know, mm. it's something I really, I spent so long doing where my everyday job was being in the Bible. And, and then I just really had some um, issues of sin issues in my life. And they were... Um, Nothing that anybody else would probably call us in, but it was my own thought pattern. It was my own thought life, and sure. um, I, that was the reason why I stepped out of the, man, the ministry um, for a while, and then God called me into something else. But, I mean, we've, we just have to really, um, you know, Lord, keep me from temptation. Lead yeah, me from yeah, temptation. Yeah. And then we have to realize there is no sin God can't forgive. Right, None right, of us right. can outsend the grace That's of God. Right. And, and so we can't get in our way. And we just have to remember that God is loving and forgiving. And we always have to, whether you're wrestling, wherever you are, you just can't turn away. Right. Yeah. Even if you don't know how to pray, remember the Holy Spirit is interceding for you. You can't turn away, and you just have to trust what God is doing yeah. in you. That was a hard yeah. thing for me to learn. Yeah. Trust what God is doing with you, even when maybe you're not where you need to be and you know you're not. Still, uh, the one thing I've always known is I can trust God, 
And at the end of the day, God is always who holds my life and my thoughts, and, and I've got to submit to him, but I'm not good at it sometimes. Yeah, awesome. I appreciate the insight, guys. Fantastic. What's our next question? Ooh, is cremation looked down upon? I'll, I'll tackle that one. Yeah, I would say that this is fairly innocuous, right? In, in other words, um, the scriptures don't speak necessarily to cremation, do or don't, or whether it's, it, it's a sin. I would tell you that there was pagan worship in the Old Testament that they would sacrifice human lives and as part of that would burn the bones. The Israelites, on the by and large, you read about the matriarchs and patriarchs of the faith, and it describes where they were buried. It describes that they were buried. And then I, I think that there's a whole faction that believe that there's this misnomer that if when you're dead, if you're cremated, when Jesus comes back and he calls us unto himself, that we won't be able to have these new bodies if they're a pile of ash. Jen, you're a science teacher. And I actually heard one of my seminary profs ask the difference between somebody who's been decomposing for a hundred years or somebody who was just cremated when you're looking at them on the surface. And the answer was nothing. They're both ash. Or more recently that you're slime. You've been embalmed. Right. Sorry. Yeah, sure. Sorry. No, that's, Maybe I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> I would think say that, that uh, there's nothing inherently sinful or wrong about cremation, at least not that I've ever found in scripture. Uh, I think it comes down to a matter of, of wisdom. In James one, the Bible says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously and he'll give to you. So pray about this, talk openly about, a, about it as a family, but to, to think that it would separate us from God or somehow it would limit the, the, the heavenly resurrection or the new body is, uh, I just don't, I don't find that supported in scripture. Sure at all. Any, anybody else? Awesome. Great question. Next question. What do we have? Does the pandemic play any role in the prophecies about Jesus return? What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, I, I, yes, it does. But just as much as every other day since Jesus came okay. uh, 2000 years ago. Um, so when Jesus came, he ascended and he said, I'm going to come back and that time is coming soon, so be prepared. Uh, in Mark 13, it actually says, however, uh, this is talking about the end times, uh, however, no one knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Mm, that's good. Stay alert. Yeah. And good. I, I think, uh, I always think about, like, it's fun to predict these things, but it's way more important to live our lives as if it's tomorrow. That's right. That's good. Be, because I have friends who don't know Jesus. And if it's tomorrow, oh no. Like, right. we got to go. So I think it's more of, uh, we need to realize that this is an urgency thing. Yeah. Like, we need to go. We need to be ready as believers. Uh, yeah. We just have to be. It kind of plays a role in the Great Commission, I think, now that I think about it. Because yeah. we do have this time. And and people are more interested maybe in hearing about life and death right now. Yeah, and so sure. does it play a role for us to to learn from Paul and learn from scripture and go forth and share the gospel? And I also think the thing it does, and you know, Amy, you talked about our busyness and what it does. This is making history. Um, and Absolutely. I talk to my students a lot too about how, what are you doing in this time? When you look back and your kids or grandkids ask you what you did in this time, tell me about, you know, the COVID virus. 
Can we reply that we did well? Did we use this to yeah. grow in Christ? Did we use this to be um, the, the hands and feet of Jesus to our neighbors and people around us? Sure. Or did we just watch Tiger King? I mean, yeah. like, nothing, you know, like <laughs> right. what do we do with it? Uh, right? Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I think it's also a good reminder, and it gives us that yearning for when Jesus does return. Mm-hmm. Because we won't have to worry about everyone um, infecting us. We won't yeah. have right. to worry about sickness or death or dying or sorrow, or pain, because everything will be made whole, and it will be made how it was intended to be yeah, made. Yeah. And so we, this is a really good opportunity for us to look ahead and Would think, you, you know what, this is not as good as it's going to get. Right. Would you guys agree that this is about a matter of emphasis? That yeah, right. even Jesus' own disciples, they were arguing and bickering about when, when all this was going to happen. And Jesus says, look, the time and the hour is not for you, but reserved for my Father alone. But we have a clear mandate about what we're supposed to be focused on. So I would almost argue, I agree with Dylan completely, yeah. that, that this is all, that the, the eschatology has been and is and will be until it's complete, new heaven, new earth. But that our focus shouldn't be on conspiracy theories and trying to determine where this is in a timeline and anything else, no. but that this yeah. is true really about focusing on what God's called us to be about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Awesome. Great. Great question. Uh, next question. What do we have? Why is there no representation of women on the pastor or elders teams? Um, I will, I will start that one, but I'm going to need some help on that one. I know that um, the Bible very specifically identifies elders, leaders who are elders, um, as male, and they do that because they say that these are men who should be faithful to their wives. They, it says it in both First Timothy and Titus, so we have that repeated twice. I do not see in Scripture that women are excluded from leadership. Mm. I, I see just the opposite, That's actually. Right. That's good. I, yeah. I see several instances, and women by name who are leaders, especially in the early church. Um, Paul's letter to Rome, the last six chapter 16 has gives a long list yeah, of all good. these women who he was acknowledging were so active in that church. Um, he asked Phoebe, who was a deacon to deliver that letter for him. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I see that there are different roles for men and women in leadership. Sure. I, I think that they, sure. they're different, but equal. That's good. Um, God gives different um, gifts to men and women and he has different parts for them to play in the church. Yeah. He also gives different gifts to men than he does other men and women that he does to other women. That's he right. gives as yes. he sees fit. And it's not a matter of which gift is more superior ever. I mean, the greatest gift is love. We see that in scripture clearly. One of the questions that is usually paired with this one is, what's the position of women speaking at Country Bible Church? Uh, I would tell you that I absolutely love that we have two amazing women who teach right here on this platform. And I respect you both wildly. I love your heart, your, your ministry, your amazing teachers and very gifted. Uh, Amy, you're the, you, I said it earlier, but I'll say it again. You actually hold the distinction of being the first woman ever in the history of this church, 45 years to preach. And you've done it three times. And we had Rebecca Harrison and Jennifer is going to do it at some point. I just put you on shout so you can't say no now. I see what I did there. But, uh, but if you look at scripture even about the, the first person to ever preach the gospel, not a trick question. Who was it? Mary. It was Mary. Jesus didn't wait for Peter and John to get to the tomb to assign it to a man. He gave the role and responsibility of the apostolic ministry right there in that moment to Mary to go back to the disciples and to share the gospel with them. So it, I, think it, I think this question is really driven more out of a matter of, of position and title than anything else. Because we see in scripture that in Christ, there's no more male or female, no more Greek or Jew. And so the issue then becomes a matter of motivation. And, and for me, 
I've never wanted to be called the senior pastor of this church. I am a pastor, a part of a greater group of individuals who gets to lead this. And I'm surrounded by amazing women. My wife's amazing. You guys are amazing. I have five daughters. They're all amazing. More than half my staff's amazing. More than half our 300 volunteers are, are women. And, and, I, and, and I'm all the better. We're all the better for it. And so great question. Love it. I want to tag on just a little bit, and not about the females necessarily, but I like what you talk about. You know, and you always introduce yourself. I'm a pastor on staff here. Um, what happens up here, you know, Sunday mornings, this doesn't come together unless somebody sets up lights in a stage. Nothing happens if somebody doesn't right. clean the bathrooms. Right, absolutely. Like, nobody can come in this building, and or who's going to come in if it's not clean, and if somebody hasn't taken care of the grounds. And, and yeah. so I think so many times people get caught up in who's the person standing right. up here, right. and nobody does this up here without an entire That's huge, important right. team behind them. Yeah. If there's nobody in childcare. We don't sit here and do something now today, but you know, normally with sure, when we're not sure. in COVID, it doesn't happen without all those volunteers and people. And I think that's something important. And I don't ever want people to think their role is less. If anything, your role's more when you're in Absolutely. those jobs. So good. I appreciate that. Thank you guys for your fantastic insight. What's our next question? Can we change God's mind with prayer? No. No. Everybody disagree? Just, no. Let's no. just go no. Um, just, just no. Do you no. want to expand on that a little bit? Okay, I'll expand. Um, we just know from both the Old Testament and New Testament, God doesn't change. We see it in Malachi. We see it in James. God doesn't change. Yeah. God was, he is, he will be, and he is never changing. There's a lot of scripture to back that up. This particular question came in with um, someone that had a question about Exodus 32, 14. So I just want to turn there. Um, and this is when Moses is up on the mountain with God and um, has been up there for 40 days, but it's after God has just brought his people out of Israel and done all these amazing things for them. And basically Moses um, and God are up there and God looks down. And even though God's done all these amazing things for his people, um, they've asked already for Aaron to make them an idol. They want, they've, they want, basically they want to abandon God already um, after everything he's done and worship this idol instead. And so, um, God is just tells Moses like, look at those stubborn, stiff necked people. Sure. And, and so then w- Moses and God have this conversation and this is where they were saying that the prayer changed God's mind. And, and yes, there is a, a translation that uses that way. Um, but even more accurate is that, um, is that God has relented and it was really a conversation about, God changing Moses' heart. Mm, Um, And that's what prayer really does. It doesn't matter that we can't change God's mind. It's not about changing God's mind. It's about changing us, putting us. Moses, in this conversation, remembered who God was, and he remembered God's faithfulness. He got training for the leading he had to do beyond. We see it with Abraham when he's asking God, you know, if he'll save Sodom and Gomorrah. Well, God knew what he was going to do the whole time, but it taught Abraham about who God was, about the personality of God and the character of God. And and that's what's really important. And, And with the praying, no, we can't change God's mind, but pray nonstop. We are told that. Pray ceasingly, um, without ceasing, uh, just well, always pray. You're right. We can't pray to change God's mind. And, and prayer is, I mean, what prayer does is it aligns our will to God's will. Okay. We don't pray to God to, uh, you know, hey, you know what, God, here's the issue I've got. Here's the solution. Tend to it. Well, yeah. I mean, that's just not what we do. Prayer is about aligning us to where God would have us and, and putting us in his will and submitting our will. And that story, I love that story because it really is not a story about God changing his mind. It's a story that teaches us, as just like it taught Moses, about who God is. Yeah. He's yeah. the God of forgiveness. 
He's the God of mercy and grace. And these, these children of Israel, holy smokes, we wouldn't put up with that with our children. I mean, these guys, these guys he yeah. takes them through all this, and not 30 minutes, they get one thunderstorm, and they're, and they're crawfishing on the whole deal. And, and, <laughs> right? yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Just don't for a minute, don't think we don't do the same thing. Oh, oh yeah, we do. We do, we do. Yeah. I, I, love, I love what we learn about God from that story, though. And I love the, the word that you brought to light, that God relented, relented. because right. he was fired up, and he was righteously angry, angry and he... And it was right for him to be angry. But because of Moses' intercession, he relented. And mm-hmm. that just gives us such a big picture of his mercy. Yeah. Yeah. And how often he does that with us when we deserve. But quick thought, isn't that just a beautiful picture, though, of how Christ inter- inter- intervenes and, and is an intercessor yeah. for us? Yeah. Because yeah. our sin makes God righteously anger. That's yep. good. Angry, right? And, and we That's deserve good. that right. destruction. Right. But because of Christ, you know, Moses it's acting as that God. Christ figure. Mm-hmm. Isn't that a beautiful picture? I love what you both said. So beautiful. I love what you both said, Jennifer and, and Kevin. You both touched on it that prayer isn't about changing God's mind, but uh, but changing our hearts. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Dylan, you have any yep. thoughts? Yeah. Uh, no, you guys covered it. That's great. Fantastic. Yeah. All right. Uh, what's the next question then? Why do we use the New Living Translation, NLT, at CBC? Uh, that's a great question as well. There are, historically, there are three types of, of, of translations in the Bible. One is what they call a literal, which Jen just referenced, like the English Standard Version, the New American Standard Version, or the King James Version. Then you have what you have, uh, what they call a dynamic version, like the New Living Translation or the New International Version. Then you have what they call a paraphrase, like the message. Each one of those was, was transcribed from the original manuscripts with a different intention in mind. They are all consistent with Scripture, but I would argue that I study, for, I actually have a representation of each one of those in my personal library, and I study from each one of those for, for different reasons. Uh, I, I, I study most often probably from the English Standard Version. Why did we choose a New Living Translation? We did a bunch of research, and we found that the New Living Translation was actually the easiest for the broadest group to read. Right? It's, not the, it's not that it's better or worse than any other Bible, but they said that anybody with a doctorate level education down to a fifth grade reading level could read it, understand it, and apply it. And that's really what we care about. We want anybody coming in who has never heard the word of God before to be able to pick it up, to read it, to understand it, and to allow, uh, allow the Holy Spirit to, to, to get a hold of them, and, and, uh, and, and they can begin to, to, to live it out. Same with those who are seasoned believers. They're not going to be put off because the word isn't necessarily the, the, the same. But it, 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 so, so the New Living Translation, it really comes down to a practical understanding of, of how, how it reads. So that, that would be why we've chosen, not because it's better, but just where, we, where we've landed. I hope that, I hope that helps. Uh, next, next question we have? We already why, covered that. What's that? We already covered this question. Oh, yeah, yeah. Why pray if you can't change God's mind? Maybe, maybe I God's think, I, Oh, I think they said what I understood is, is that we don't pray to change God's mind. We pray and our hearts are changed. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and, it, and it is a command in the Bible. Pray. It's a command pray. from God. Without we obey those commands. We see, yes. we see yeah. that uh, persistent widow constantly praying. Yep. That's good. Uh, what else do we have? What do you think are the messages that false prophets are telling us today? Ooh, great one. So um, I had a lot of thoughts on this one, and I actually made some, some notes because this is a, this is a great question. Absolutely. It's so relevant. Uh, uh, in that, you know, we're warned repeatedly about these these types of people. Yeah. And uh, Paul and Peter, 
both talk about that, you know, it's not the obviously false prophets that we need to worry about, but it's the, it's the wolves that come in dressed mm-hmm. as the flock, you, you know. And I, I chose to use one of my favorite passages that gives this warning is Second uh, Peter 2, 15 through 18. And uh, what Peter does there is he uses the example of Balaam. And the reason I like this passage is because I love the story of Balaam where he's, uh, he's uh, basically a prophet for hire, and, uh, and he is given a gift from God in this prophecy. And he's a Gentile, yeah. but he's still been given this gift where he can't communicate with God. And he becomes a prophet for hire. And, and the, the, uh, the, the forces that were coming against the children of Israel hired him. And at first, he's like, no, 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 because God told him, don't do this. And he's like, no, no, no. Well, they, they kept coming back and offering him more money and more prestige. And, and finally he goes, wow, God. <laughs> you know, and, he, yeah. and, and he ends up, his donkey ends up chastising right, him right, and right. talking yeah. to him, right? Talking and and, and then yeah. he can't, he, and then God actually tongue-ties him to where he, he goes right. to give a curse on the children and it ends up being a blessing. Right. The yeah. point that yeah. Peter makes here, though, is that these people go the way of Balaam in that they become prophets for hire. Right. And so what I see is is really dangerous that we see today is the prosperity gospel. Yeah. Where that if you if you've got a little bit more faith or if you uh uh send a little bit more money to my ministry yeah. sure. then yeah. God's going to ma- th- th- then God's going to make you rich. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's not God's plan. God's the yeah. scriptures are very clear yeah. that God's plan is to cover our needs yeah. and that's his promises. But he doesn't talk about a, a, a fair trade kind of thing yeah. where, where yeah. if well, you give me a little yeah. more, I'm going to just... And there's a, lot yeah. of, there's a lot of lies that are blanketed with, with some truth. Well, yes. that's the best yeah. lies are founded in truth, right? So yeah. we, we use the same mm-hmm. verses in Malachi to talk about. And when I spoke about giving to, you know, God does promise to bless us as we give. Mm-hmm. But the blessings that God promises that line up with the balance of Scripture are peace that passes understanding, yeah. their yeah. uh, 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 spiritual blessings, they're not health and wealth, right? right? right. If yeah. I want a new boat, praying and giving to some guy on TV. Don't tell my husband that. <laughs> is, is it, well, Jim's getting a new boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's not how I get a new boat, right? right. It's mm-hmm. by being a good steward of the yeah. gifts that God has given me that allows me to do that. Sure, so. sure. There's another question that came in that is literally paralleled or maybe coupled with this. And that question, I think, is next. And it says, how can we help others to see the truth instead of lies? How do we recognize these false prophets? Yeah, the, this is so important. Um, yes, it is important to keep an eye out for the it, like pros, it, these other gospels that are not the gospel. Um, it, but it comes down to personal responsibility as a church, where we have to know the scriptures well enough. Absolutely, where we don't fall into these traps. So, like, it, it's on us. And one um, trap that I wouldn't want any of us to fall into is throwing stones, whether it's online or from a distance, at someone that we can't have a personal conversation with. Um, so, like, we can have a conversation with other church members or, like, I can have a conversation with my friends and say, hey, maybe you don't want to follow that guy, and here's the biblical reasons why. Sure, sure. And hopefully they're trained up to do the same. Sure, and, sure. and that's what we're doing as a church, right, yeah. is we're just trying to learn over and over. Well, I, I would say, go ahead, Amy. I was just going to say that always reminds me of the illustration of the um, treasury, the Department the of Treasury, the counterfeiters. You know, when when... Money handlers are trained to um, 
look for false money or counterfeit money. Right. They they don't look at the counterfeits. They just get to know the the true currency. Yes. So they know every little dash and dat, um, dot and dash on that currency. Right. That's so good. So yeah. that they recognize the the counterfeits. So what you're saying, Dylan, is is if we know the scripture and we know what is absolutely true, yeah. we don't have to worry about what recognizing the lies because we're going right. to. We They're don't have absolutely. to know They're the lies. They're studying the counterfeits, which will and can constantly change. They are yes. so well-versed yeah. in what's authentic and true right. and real that, that, that that then reveals anything that's counterfeit. And for us as followers of Jesus, that's sola scriptura. That's the word yes. of God alone. Yeah. So here's, here's the practical part of this answer, though. The, the only way that you're going to help uh, others to see the truth is if Everything is based on Scripture, the truth. Right. What a great ministry we have in that our goal here at Country Bible, and this is, was one of the things, to get the Word of God in everybody's hands. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Andrew, yeah. three, how many Bibles? 1,300, over 1,300 yeah. Bibles we've given out right? the last we've three years. We've given out. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, every, every speaker that we have up here is always subject to Scripture. And yeah. every speaker, whether it be the gals or you or Steve, or is, hey, let's open our Bibles. Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, I, right. and that's the yeah. only way you're going to help anybody see the truth instead of the lie yeah. is to have that word yeah, so in good. your hand and in your heart. I heard someone say, uh, there's no get rich quick scheme in Christianity. Uh, so yeah, it's just right, right. a long like way in the right that's direction good. for a long time. Great question. Good dialogue. Yeah. Uh, what's the next question, guys? What do we have? What steps have you taken to guard against moral failure? Uh, man, that's a great question. I'll tackle this one first. I would just tell you that one of the things that I've done is really kind of two part. One is I have enlisted the help of accountability partners. So I have three accountability partners that I meet with at least weekly, probably daily. One of them includes our executive pastor, Mark Donato. I'm, I'm on the campus with him every day. He's also one of my best friends. And we constantly hold each other accountable. And he's not afraid to, to say whatever he needs to say. Another one is Dane Livermore. He's one of our elders. And he's been my earliest accountability partner uh, that I've had since, really since I started here. And the third one is, is really on the stage. It's Kevin Barnhill, who's the chairman of our elder board. And, and again, another individual that is not afraid to say what's on his mind. Yeah, I've been accused at times of, of surrounding myself with yes men. I wish. You're really bad I at that. wish. Yeah. You are really bad I, at that. I am horrible <laughs> at surrounding myself with yes men. I didn't surround myself with a yes wife. I didn't surround, I don't surround myself with yes kids. I mean, like, like that would be, that's, that's just ludicrous to me that anybody would suggest that I just surround myself with yes men. I surround myself with people who say yes to the man and then hold me accountable to that. The second part to that that I found is super helpful for me is that my wife, Stacy, literally has access to every account that I have. From my checking account to my social media account to my email accounts to my phone to my text messages, every password I have to anything I own, she has access to. And she can check it freely at any time. I have nothing to hide. And so she, 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 that, that's super critical because uh, that helps prepare me and know me and ready me. And frankly, my kids do too. They, yeah. My son looks so much like me, his facial recognition on my phone. He can open it just by looking yeah. at it. So oh, he can see awesome. what I've gone through. But awesome. so, so it's just, that's been helpful as well is accountability measures. And, and so I'd say accountability partners and accountability measures have been, yeah. have been super helpful for me uh, guarding against moral failure. Anybody else? You know, one thing too, just taking your thoughts captive and making them that's obedient so to good. Christ. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scripture tells us that. And it's little steps sometimes, and sometimes it's one step. And I just, um, we were talking before, you know, 
we're all just one decision away from the thing we thought we would never do. And sometimes yeah. when we think it's the thing we would never do, we're not protecting against it. So I think it's that, that continual prayer, continual being in God's word and learning to be honest. You've got to have, you have the accountability yeah. partners. Even if you, you don't have someone that specific, you've got to have people in your life. It doesn't need to be everybody, but you can be, good point. But you can be honest. Yeah. yeah. We need the last 10% from the best 10%. Yep. Yeah. 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 We need That's the good. last 10% from the best 10%. The problem is we yeah. listen way too much to everybody else. And yeah. so I really appreciate what you, what you just had to say. Uh, the, 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 go ahead, Dylan. Uh, my boss says that uh, the seeds of failure are in all of us, every single one of us. And I, I think we just got to keep that close of just we've got to watch ourselves because the minute we think we're beyond it is the minute that we get caught. It's almost a, a type of arrogance to say, oh, yeah. well, that I could never do that. Yeah. yeah. You know, all that. Yeah. Would no. You know, it, yeah. it really becomes a, a prideful, arrogant kind right. of. And, and so you lose the, uh, the, the hedges and the shields that you've that you should be building up. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And I think part of that, I just want to really quick mention too, is we've got to be more accepting of other people's moral failures because yeah. we're all just, you know, one step away from that thing. Um, please God, no. But um, we've, we've got to realize we're all human. And, yeah. and even our pastors, um, you know, we, we don't need to put anybody on a pedestal. We're just setting them up to fall. None of right. us are Christ. And yeah. we need to continually be reminding people, look at Jesus, not me. Um, yeah, absolutely. And, so and just bringing each other and loving each other along. If you see someone failing and struggling, you don't go condemn them. And I know biblically there's a way to handle it, and you do. Right. But you come alongside them, and you you first, before you cast them out, there's a process. And right. Yeah. yeah. No, I appreciate that. The Apostle Paul even said, follow me as I follow Christ, because yeah. he wrestled with this. Yeah. Look at Romans 7. What I do, I don't want to do. What I don't want to do, I do. Why do I do the things I do? It's no longer me. It's sin living in me. Oh, what a wretched man I am. And then he says, oh, who can save me from this life of sin? What's the answer? Praise God. The answer is Jesus Christ. Yes. So even Paul, who is, a, you know, I mean, he's, a, he's the patriarch of our faith in many respects, struggled with this very thing and was very honest about it. He was very vulnerable. Well, guys, listen, I think we're about out of time for right now. I want to tell you so much how much I appreciate you and respect you. I admire you and I love you guys. And thank you for choosing to be a part of this panel discussion with me. I'm also going to tell you, uh, I'm, going to, I'm going to put you on shout on video so you can't back out, that we're going to do this again. I think we have so many other questions that we'd love to answer. So many questions that you have written in and I would love to know that uh, we're going to have a follow-up. It, it may not come on a, on a Sunday like this, but we'll do another video session like this that people can look at later on and follow up to other questions they have. And, and, and always, please feel comfortable emailing us, info at countrybible.org or calling in the office, letting us know. Any one of our staff or any one of our elders would love to meet with you. Any one of us up here would love to share with you and, and walk this journey with you. And we don't pretend all the answers, but we are committed to helping find the answers, and not just yeah. any answer, but in the Word of God, rooted right. in the Word of God. Any closing thoughts before we before we pray? If they have more questions, I mean, there's a comment section below, there, like wherever they're watching this from. So if you're on Facebook or if you're on YouTube, like just throw a question in the comments. That's good. We'd love to answer whatever we can. That's good. Jen, anything else in closing? No, thanks for being here, Amy. No, thanks for being here. Kevin, uh, thanks for marrying Amy. Best decision. <laughs> Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, marrying Amy. Those are great, <laughs> great decisions. Right great decisions you made, guys. Appreciate you. Let's pray together. 
Father, I thank you so much for this time together. I thank you for Dylan and Jen, for Amy and for Kevin, for this opportunity to share. Thank you for their lives and for their experiences and for their wisdom and knowledge. God, thanks for this opportunity. Thank you for our friends that wrote in these countless questions that they have about faith and, and about our culture and our community, about what God's doing. Lord, I pray that you would bless our people, that you would move mightily throughout our community, that you would give us favor as we're faithful to what you've called us to. And Lord, above all, I pray that each and every one of us would encounter you and that our lives would be changed forever and that you would get all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray and in your name, amen. Guys, thanks for watching. We love you and we look forward to having you with us again next week as we kick off a brand new series entitled Keep Going. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Take care.